Hey everybody, it's Jay, and I'm going to be giving you today a wrap-up of E3. E3, of course, is the Electronic Entertainment Expo held out in Southern California. It was held out over the weekend, and uh, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a wrap-up on, uh, not on everything, not on everything that was sort of unveiled and all the news that was, was told, really just on stuff that I kind of focused on. Um, just so you know, I am doing, I'm sending out this episode over a couple of different podcasts that I do. Some of you may know me from Stuff You Don't Need to Know. Some of you may know me from Defender of the Realm. So this podcast is actually going to appear on both. So if you're listening to me on one and you want to listen to it on the other one, it's pretty much an exact copy, but I need to listen. So go ahead and listen to it twice. Um, If you're not familiar with either podcast, if you listen to one but not the other, just really quick, Defender of the Realm is mainly my video game podcast. Uh, I started off by mainly talking about... um, video game RPGs, but it's kind of morphed into really just a video game podcast in general. Stuff You Don't Need to Know is a podcast that I do with my daughter, Diana. Uh, We do shows together. I do solo shows. She's going to start to do some solo shows pretty soon. Uh, We talk about a lot of nerd-related topics, mainly comics and things like that, and I throw my video game news on there. So, like I said, if you listen to one of these podcasts, uh, definitely check out the other one. And of course, you could always also find me on Enter the Nerd Zone, which is a podcast I do with my friend Pete. So look at that. You love listening to me. You now have three options to do. All right. So let's talk about some of the stuff that I took away from E3. Um, Like I said, I'm really going to kind of focus on some games that I was really looking to hear about to get some news on and things like that. But before I kind of get into that, um, I'm going to talk about real quick... Uh, sort of a game or um, an announcement that I don't think was really expected. It kind of came out of nowhere, and it wasn't really a formal presentation or anything like that. So uh, Respawn Games, or Respawn Entertainment, which is actually, I don't know if it's a subdivision of EA or if EA contracts out to them, but they do some Star Wars-related games. They do Titanfall games, I believe. Um so I think they're either a subdivision or or they're or EA subcontracts to them. Either way, um, so you know I was watching some of these press releases and and trailer releases and things live, but a lot of them I kind of caught on YouTube and I saw Respawn announces latest Star Wars game. So I'm like, wow, let me click on this and let me see what it is. And it was actually. I don't know if it was the lead programmer, but uh, his name is Vince Santo. He was actually uh, inside the EA Auditorium for some EA press releases. I think they were going to kind of talk about the updates to Battlefront 2, which I'm going to touch on a little bit real quick. Um, And somebody from, I believe it was from IGN, somebody from IGN came over to sort of interview him and say, you know, hey, we understand you guys are going to be releasing a, a Star Wars game really soon. Can you tell us about it? Now, I don't know if this is something that Respawn wanted to do, sort of like this informal announcement, or if he was completely taken off guard, because it kind of seemed like a very sort of clunky sort of uh, presentation. But then again, these guys, they're designers, they're programmers, whatever. They're not, I don't think they're really very comfortable in front of the camera, because during some of the other like press conferences and releases and things like that, a lot of these developers, you could tell they're very nervous in front of the cameras, but listen, you know, they design games, they develop games, you know, they're not actors. But he talked about Respawn's game, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and 
you know, he basically said that it's it's going to kind of be an open world RPG where you play a Padawan that survived Order 66. So if you know anything about the Star Wars universe, Order 66 pretty much took place towards the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So basically this game is going to take place in the dark times, um, which he said... You know, first it was, and that was the thing that was kind of unusual. She, you know, the interviewer sort of was like, well, when does this game take place in the Star Wars universe? And he's like, well, you know, I really don't want to do any spoilers or anything, but it takes place during the dark times. And she's like, okay. And she basically kind of repeated the question, which kind of forced him to say, you know, it takes place between movies three and four. Um, now, I think this is kind of interesting. I mean, I'm looking forward to this game or, or to see where this game is, how it's going to develop and where it's going to go. I just really felt that the presentation was pretty bad. Um, like I said, you know, he said you're going to play a Padawan. So he's like, so you get to be a Jedi. To which the interviewer said, wow, that's really cool. You get to be a Jedi. So does that mean I get a, I get to use a lightsaber? And, I mean, honestly, if, if I was Vince, I would have been, like, rolling my eyes being like, you, no, you don't get to use one because, obviously, you don't know what I'm talking about here. It just seemed like, yeah, they kind of have some news to break, but it was nothing formal. So, my sort of feeling is, is if you don't really have a formal presentation to do, and you're not really, you know, prepared to do off-the-cuff stuff, maybe kind of stay away from it. And, really, all we got out of this is that... Respawn is going to come out with Jedi Fallen Order, and it's not going to come out until holiday time 2019. So it's well over a year before we're going to see this game. Uh, they didn't have any footage to release or anything because they're they're still developing this game. So why this was sort of done and kind of plugged a little bit, I I, I really don't know. But let's talk about some games that I really couldn't wait to hear about. Um, my daughter makes fun of me because I actually like the Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, she thinks it's really kind of hokey. Um, she kind of laughs at me for enjoying it. But I like Kingdom Hearts. And I think it's really more for the Disney nostalgia. You know what? I grew up as a kid watching Disney films. You know, we've been to Disneyland and Disney World a couple of times. And yes, I'm an adult. You know, I don't have Mickey Mouse sheets or this or that or anything. But there's there's really kind of a nostalgia to it. Uh, and there's kind of like a quaint charm to it. So when Kingdom Hearts came out, you know, I picked it up. I was not able to look uh, to get number two. But, you know... It seems like it's been a long time coming, and we are finally, finally, finally going to get Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, the release is probably going to come... I think you know they were originally looking to release it maybe late this year, maybe around the holiday times of this year, but it looks like there's a couple of hitches in the development, so it's probably going to come out first quarter 2019. That's absolutely fine. Um... We didn't really hear, you know, they showed some trailers, so definitely look for that. Look for that online, Kingdom Kingdom Heart, Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, release trailers and things like that. Because, again, you know, great graphics, very cinematic. Um, they really kind of pumped on the fact that Frozen is going to play a big part in this. It's going to be one of the worlds that you get to explore. You know, they showed Olaf, um, and they showed a couple of other characters. They show uh, your character, who I believe he goes by the name of Sato, or Saido, um, kind of like doing some stuff in this frozen realm. Uh, he was doing some speed skating. He was doing some sledding. So, you know, again, not a lot of news on it, but 
I was pretty excited to see it, and if you are a fan of Kingdom Hearts, definitely check out the release trailers if you, if you haven't seen that yet, because it's some pretty cool stuff. All right, next game up that I was really looking forward to sort of hearing, and after kind of hearing where they're going with it, I don't know if I'm not thrilled anymore, uh, Bethesda, you know, continuing their Fallout series, is coming out with Vault 76. Now, they had released a teaser trailer prior to E3, um... And they showed it again, but it was a little bit more expanded this time. Uh, they also showed some uh, Vault Tech. If you're familiar with Fallout, you'll know what I'm talking about. Sort of like Vault Tech instructional videos, which are things that, if you've played the Fallout series, you know, these these Vault Tech instructional videos, you know, are usually kind of helpful for gameplay. Um, I I checked out the extended release trailer and I watched sort of their press release. I'm a fan of the Fallout series, but I do not know if I'm going to be a fan of Vault 76. Now, granted, it's an all-new territory. Uh, it takes place in West Virginia. Uh, that's where Vault 76 is located. It is actually, the reason it's number 76 uh, is because it looks like it was completed in uh, 2076. Uh, on the 300th anniversary of our independence. So that's why it was labeled Vault 76. It looks like, from the trailer, and from some of the things they said, it looks like Vault 76 was either slated to be one of the first vaults to open, or it was opened early and the people were sort of let out into this post-apocalyptic world after the bombs fell. Again, if you know the Fallout series, you kind of know what I'm talking about. It looks like, and I think Bethesda's kind of going forward with this with Fallout and with Elder Scrolls, it's going to be a multiplayer online sort of survival game, and I'm really not that thrilled about it. Um, I like my Fallout story. I like playing as, you know, the sole survivor, the lone wanderer, you know, characters from 3 and 4. Um... And really kind of having that open world, having sort of a main story that I can follow, side quests and things. Uh, if you, from Defender of the Realm, if you've heard my, my podcast about Elder Scrolls Online, you'll understand why I didn't like that game and probably why I'm not going to enjoy this game. Um, I, you know, and listen, I get it. A lot of people love these big, massive multiplayer online worlds. That's great. It's just not for me. Um, listen, Metal Gear, their latest game that they released was sort of this massive multiplayer online survival type game, which really took away from the story of Metal Gear. And I feel by doing this with Fallout, you're doing the same thing. You have a great story. You almost sort of have this great realm or world where this video game series is based and you're kind of just ignoring it. You're just, you know, throwing it in the trash for the sake of let's build an online community and let's get people together because it seems like you're going to be released from Vault 76 and you have to survive this world. And now they have said, listen, you can play solo. That's absolutely fine. But there's some creatures out there that you're going to need other people to help you take down. Uh, you're going to be able to build bunkers and, and fortresses. Uh, you're actually going to be able to, you know, go out and attack some of these, you know, other players' bunkers and go after other people. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not into that, you know. To me, the Fallout series, you know, it's a great premise. It's a great story. 
why are we abandoning that you know just just why so you could you know have these massive online role-playing games and and really kind of live off of the microtransactions that are going to come out of it i mean i don't know i think people are starting to get kind of sick of microtransactions um because of microtransactions uh, i don't know if i'm going to continue with the nba 2k series because i felt that nba 2k 18 and i know i'm getting off on a tangent here but nba 2k 18 killed me with microtransactions because you could not do anything in that game unless you actually plunked out extra money and to me that's absolutely disgusting um i play uh you know mlb the show 18 uh i do the my career mode there are absolutely no microtransactions your player develops as you develop in the game as your gameplay improves your player improves that's the way it should be I shouldn't have to spend money on a game then in order to do good at this game plunk down extra money it's it's just it's ridiculous and it really really needs to stop um but you know i was kind of disappointed that vault 76 is going to go in this direction i was also very disappointed that there's no new elder scrolls coming out now yes they're adding on expansions to elder scrolls online and it seems like that's what the Elder Scrolls series is going to become. I don't know if they're going to develop a new Elder Scrolls game, a separate standalone game. They're just going to, you know, add these expansions upon Elder Scrolls Online. Is this what's going to happen to Vault 76? Is this what's going to happen to the Fallout franchise? You know, are we just going to get these add-ons and constant add-ons? Because if so, my days of playing Elder Scrolls and Fallout are over because it's not for me. I'm not into it. And, you know, especially if, because Elder Scrolls Online, one of the things I hated about it is, again, if I want to enhance my character, if I want to develop a look for my character, I have to spend extra money, not in-game money, my own money. And I'm just not having that anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. And again, some of you listening might really enjoy that, and to each his own, that's absolutely fine. But you know what? I'm not looking forward to it. Okay, so the last game, and I, I think I saved the best for last, Battlefield Five. Okay, so Battlefield Five, they had a release trailer a few weeks back. I know it caused some controversy. People were very upset. Oh, my God, they're showing women and people of color in World War II. This is not historically accurate, which it's a video game. Okay? We got a little backlash from that with Battlefield 1 with there's people of color in Battlefield 1. This was World War 1. That's not historically accurate. First of all, it is. Second of all, if you look at Battlefield 1 and you look at Battlefield 5, they're not historically accurate down to the letter of the law or down to, you know, whatever. Um, they're set in the world of World War 2. Battlefield 1 was set in the world of World War 1. To me, I felt it really captured, you know, Battlefield 1 really captured the spirit and the feel of World War 1. Absolutely. And I think they're going to do it again with Battlefield 5. So, I watched um, the press release and Lars Gust Gustafsson, who's sort of like the lead developer, he had a lot to say. Um... He talked about how, and I have really been waiting for this, how they're really going to kind of get rid of that lone wolf mentality. 
uh, with a lot of the different, you know, with the campaign modes and the breakthrough modes and the frontline modes and things like that. And they're really going to focus on squad play. Um, some of the things that they talked about are the fact that, you know, when a game starts off or when you respawn, you're not just going to have a high amount of ammo, a high amount of life. Um, you know, especially the more and more you respawn, the less and less ammo you're going to respawn with. Your health bar might not be as high up as it was at the beginning of the game. Now, you could get supplies, you could get healed by members of your squad. So, your squad really has to work together. You know, it's not going to be, if you're going to take an objective, it's not going to be a matter of, ah, I'm just going to run willy-nilly and, and get in there and, and do what I could do because, ah, even if I die, I'll just respawn and I'll try again. Or a medical come and heal me. Or, you know, a um, <clears throat> support player will come by and they'll toss me ammo. It's no big deal. And even if I die, I will respawn full health, full ammo, and I will do it all over again. First thing they said is in these in, in the multiplayer games, you have to join a squad. Now, if you're not really that familiar with Battlefield, that doesn't mean you have to go out and find three friends and, and, and form a squad together. It would be great. You guys will definitely work well together. But whenever you start a, a round of Battlefield, you know, in Battlefield 1, you have the option to just randomly join a squad as long as it's not like a set squad and they lock you out. Um... Or you could just play along in a solo. You know, just, ah, I don't need to join a squad. I'm just going to run around, shoot up, and do whatever. You have to join a squad. And like I said, to actually do things in this game, you really do have to work as a team. Uh, one of the other things that they talked about, they actually talked about a lot, and I was very happy about it. One of the things they announced, and they got a lot of cheers of, is no more premium pass, no more loot crates. See? Dice gets it. I've kind of talked about uh, both on Stuff You Don't Need to Know and uh, Defender of the Realm. I've kind of talked about my feelings on premium passes. The only one I ever thought was worth it was my Battlefield 1 premium pass because every single new map that came out, I would get it for free. Well, I paid for the premium pass. but And I would get early access to it. And I thought it was great. To me, it was well worth it. I loved the game. I loved most of the new maps that came out so I I had no problem purchasing a premium pass for them. DICE is saying that's all gone. Loot crates that's all gone. You know everything you need is going to be right there in the game. As we expand upon this game you own the game you get the DLC. No ifs, ands, or buts. No special passes. No paying extra it's all for you. So they got big big cheers for that. They had another big announcement, which when I saw the press release and my daughter Diana was watching it with me, we were sort of like, whoa, I don't think that went over as well as they thought it would. Lars Gustafsson said, we're introducing a new mode to Battlefield Five that the community has really been wanting, a Royale mode. And the crowd, it sounded like it was a mix of whoa and no. Um with me kind of saying no. So, if you're not familiar, what is a Royale mode? Well, I think he didn't want to say a Battle Royale mode because he probably didn't want Fortnite or PUBG to sue him. Um, but basically, that's what they're talking about. There's going to be a Battle Royale mode in Battlefield 5. Now, look, I play PUBG. I don't play Fortnite, but I do play PUBG, and I like it. I don't need to see it in every single first-person shooter that I do. 
if I want to do a battle royale type game, I will play PUBG. If I want to do a World War II simulator, I'm going to go to Battlefield 5. Um, am I going to be like, oh, forget it, I'm never going to get this game, or I'm never going to play that mode? No. But I don't think that was the big announcement everybody was waiting for. I just kind of thought it was funny. Um, they talked about the fact that, you know, looks they're bringing back all the original classes, uh, but now they're going to have archetypes within the classes, which is pretty interesting. So, they kind of touched upon it a little bit. So, they demoed a couple of them. I think they demoed um, in the recon class, there's like a paratrooper class. And the thing is, is they're going to have, each archetype is going to have sort of a set of like passive sort of specialties or special abilities that only that class or that archetype will have access to and some weapons and equipment that only that archetype will have access to. Uh, they talked about support, how there's going to be like archetypes and it's not finalized so they're sort of saying, you know, for example, within support they'll have like a machine gunner archetype, uh, a demolitions archetype, and like a builder archetype where you know, each one of those archetypes will have sort of boosts in those little subcategories that will help it out. So that's the thing is, is when you're putting together your squad, it's no longer going to be, hey, we're all going to be medics. Hey, we're all going to be scouts. We're all going to be, you have to really kind of balance out your squad. Um, you might want two support personnel, one that's a really good machine gunner and one that's really good at building, which kind of leads me into the next thing that they announced is that they're going to have the ability to build. So what does that mean? That means you are now, anywhere on the map, going to be able to dig foxholes, put up sandbags, put up tank traps. Uh, if some of the buildings are knocked down, you could actually not really totally rebuild the building, but if a wall's knocked down, you can kind of throw up a temporary half wall or something to give you to give your guys more cover. Um, Every single class will be able to do this, but of course, the support class will be able to do it the best and the fastest. Um, healing. Every single class will be able to heal, but of course, the medic class will be able to do it better and quicker. Because now, healing, or reviving, is going to be an actual animation. It's, not, it's no longer going to be like in Battlefield 1. Healing is tossing a health pack. Here you go, buddy. And, and running and going. Reviving is no longer going to be taking out the syringe and going boop and running away. If I'm going to heal somebody, I pull out my syringe and it's probably going to be a three second sort of like event, which means there's a chance I could get picked off. So if there's somebody in the middle of a wide open battlefield asking to be revived, I might think twice about it because I can't just run out there, hit him with a needle and just keep on running. Uh, it's going to take me a few seconds to actually revive the person. They did say, though, that if somebody needs to be healed or revived and they're down, and if you are that player, you're actually also going to have the option to call out for help, you can go out, grab them by the leg or the arm, and sort of drag them into cover. Now, again, it's going to be time-consuming to do that. You have to really think about it. But I thought that was really cool. Um, the other thing is there's new movement animations. Uh, you're able to dive. You're able to dive forward. You're actually able to dive back. You could dive back onto your back, stay there, fire your weapon. Pretty cool. You could dive through doors. You could dive through windows to sort of take your enemy by surprise. And they showed um, some gameplay footage. It looks really, really incredible. Um, field guns. 
you know, in Battlefield 1, you have access to field guns, but they're just kind of put in set places on the maps. You now can hook them up to, like, looks like a Jeep or a tank. You can move them. So that's the thing is, is if you're going for objectives, and there's some field guns by objectives that you already own, hook them up to a tank, roll them up to the objective you want to tank and uh, want to take, and you can start to pound away on it and, and better, you know, you'll have better chances of getting the objective. Um, one of the other things that they talked about is they're improving on the game mode operations. They're actually calling it grand operations. And they actually, this was the multiplayer, um, this is the multiplayer option that they actually demoed was the grand operations. So, as you know, with operations, it, you know, it's uh, multiple maps, uh, and you just try to take objectives. You either try to get from point A to point D, or if you're on the defense, prevent them from doing it. And it would come in waves. You know, the attacking squad would get three waves. You know, if they take an objective, then they get a new three waves. And that's basically how it is. Now, instead of waves, it's actually in-game days. So, round one of a grand objective would be sort of a day one and what they showed it was actually a nighttime incursion into a German held area and it was sort of like okay you guys are going to paratroop in at night and you have to take out all these field guns and get to point A if you could do that by the end of the round then the next day you know you're going from there and it, it would take place during the day you go from there you try to get to the next objective and of course if you're the defensive team you're trying to uh, stop them from doing that so they said that grand operations can go up to four rounds now if by the end of the third day or the third round there's a clear winner there's a clear winner if not if at the end of that third round which would be the third day there's really no clear winner fourth round will begin each player on both sides will only get one life so that means you die you're out and you get limited supplies so it's really sort of like a last man standing kind of a thing it's like it's really again you got to play as a squad you can't just be that lone wolf running around doing this doing that because you could run into a squad of people and you're gone and guess what your team is now a person down because you are not going to be able to revive. Uh, I think that's a really unique feature. It's something I've really been hoping Battlefield would really improve is sort of like that squad play, that squad mentality, because I can't tell you, playing Rush, uh, Frontlines, uh, you know, playing Operations, playing um, Conquest, where it's like, Look, let's take this objective, but we need to do it as a team. Um, going in there, getting an objective, and you, of course, you have to stay there. You have to. It's a timed event. The more people that come in, the faster we can take that objective. And nothing frustrates me more than somebody kind of popping in real quick, getting a couple points, and then popping away. Now I have to wait longer to take that objective. Also hit the fact that as soon as people take objectives, they just run off. We have to defend our objectives, too, you know? That's a great way to pick up points. If we could, excuse me, if we could defend our objective, we could get some more points, we could get some more kills, we'll probably win this game. But DICE says they're really going to work on it, and it really, really sounds like they are. 
Alrighty, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up here with my E3 wrap-up. Like I said, I really kind of focus on the games that I wanted to look at. I hope they were stuff that you guys wanted to hear about. Of course, go on YouTube, um, you know, go on like Polygon, IGN, PC Gamer, stuff like that. They have a lot of E3 coverage. You could definitely find a lot there. Like I said, you can find me on multiple podcasts, uh, Stuff You Don't Need to Know, Defender of the Realm, and of course, Enter the Nerd Zone. Check out our website, www.brothersinarmchairs.com, where you'll find links to every single podcast within the Brothers in Armchairs network. This is Jay. Good gaming to you.